I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Hey, listeners, get ready for a great show. Two minutes into the conversation with today's guest, I was moved to tears. Katara McCarty is an absolute powerhouse, as you'll hear in her story. She's a public speaker, coach, author, and podcast host dedicated to creating places, spaces, and community for women to cultivate their unique power. She has a magical way of connecting on a very deep level and inspiring leaders to move into action. It stems from her authenticity. She is so real and is clearly standing in her own power. Listen in as she inspires you to reclaim and rewrite your story, just as she has done throughout her life. Oh my gosh. The journey actually goes all the way back to um, when I was born. Um, I was born in 1972 and uh, my mother went to the hospital like most mothers to have me. And she decided after giving birth to me that she couldn't mother me, parent me. And so she abandoned me at the hospital. And so I went into foster care and through that process, they were, um, the foster care system was having a hard time placing me. And um, because I'm biracial, uh, my mother is Caucasian. She's white. My dad is African-American. He's black. And they, they found it hard to place me. It was 1972. It was very taboo to have a baby that is biracial. And so um, my file came across the lady's desk and she's like, my niece is wanting to adopt another baby. And so she called her niece and said, hey, we've got this baby. Here's kind of the issues we're having placing her. And the lady on the other end of the phone, her niece said, I don't care. Bring this baby to my house. And so I got delivered um, to who is now my mom, Betty Waters' house, and was raised by two really strong Black women. But I learned pretty early on that I was different. I didn't look like my immediate family. I um, would go outside to play and I didn't look like the other little girls in my neighborhood. And it was very apparent by the way sometimes I was even treated that I didn't really belong in some spaces and places. And, and so that was really challenging for me as a child and just kind of growing up being quote unquote different um, and, and trying to find that sense of belonging and kind of led me into um, just really being independent and um, wanting to kind of carve my own path and, and pave my own way. And um, I went, started going to college and got pregnant at 19 and really just was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with all of this, um, with my life now? And I decided to become an entrepreneur, kind of crazy. I was a single mom, um, 20 years old and became an entrepreneur. I went and got uh, certified in doing nails. I ended up opening up my own nail shop and um, it was really kind of a, a freeing thing for me because I didn't have to try to belong because I kind of was creating my own path. And so I, from there, got married, um, had another 
daughter and my husband and I decided to start a nonprofit organization together. And so we did that and kind of carrying my experiences uh, as a child and as a young adult, and even through my teenage years of trying to kind of belong in spaces and places, I kind of brought that into our nonprofit work and said, if we're going to, um, we built a church and I was like, if we're going to do this, like, I want to make sure that we're creating uh, spaces and places of belonging for all people. And so we went into that work and I kind of started just kind of like being his like, backup. Like I'm here if you need me, like I'm I'm helping you fulfill your dream. And I ended up becoming ordained and co-pastoring, co-leading that work with him and starting an after-school program that is now branched into other states. We started a church and a school in Zambia, Africa, and we did that work for 16 years. And through that process, I recognized pretty early on that it's not very popular for women to be leaders in that industry, quote unquote, industry. And so I would come up against roadblocks as as a woman leader. And um, that was really challenging for me when I would find out that, you know, people would prefer to meet with my husband or prefer to talk to him or prefer um, to have him come and speak um, on behalf of of our mission and our vision. And that was a hard pill for me to swallow because I had kind of walked through my life kind of carving my own path and and kind of creating my own space and and to be kind of met with that type of resistance was was challenging and and realizing that it was because I was a female and again my my experience as a as a, a child a teenager a young adult I was met with resistance because my skin was either too dark or too light and so just um, realizing like wow like society isn't always set up for me as a brown black woman to kind of be welcomed as a leader. And so then it, you know, I had to kind of deal with that. Like, what do I do with that? And so really figuring out who my advocates were and who my allies were. My husband was one of them and him really kind of like saying, Hey, if my wife can't come, I'm not coming. And, and really kind of creating, creating room for me to have and making space for me, which was really beautiful and amazing. And so those experiences, we ended up transitioning out of leading that nonprofit, did a, some really beautiful work during those 16 years. It really felt like it was time for us to transition out. And as we were transitioning out, our both of our daughters had graduated. My oldest was in college. My youngest had graduated high school. They were moving on with their lives. We were transitioning out of leading in this nonprofit organization that we had built. And my husband was, things were opening up for him in the corporate world. And I found myself leaving my city, leaving an organization that I had built, leaving that season of raising my girls and looking at myself in the mirror, like, holy smokes, girl, what are you going to do now? (laughs) It was like everything kind of came to a crashing halt. 
And I just started kind of taking time with myself and spending time with me and, and trying to ask some hard questions like, what do you want now in this season of your life? And almost like redefining who's Katara now and looking back over all of my experiences from the time I was born being abandoned to being adopted to not feeling like I belonged to being in, uh, you know, carving my own path and starting my own business to partnering with my husband and, and feeling some resistance as a female leader. Like, what do I do with all that now? Like, how can I help women? And I just really began to sit with myself and think, you know what? Women are powerful. Like we are powerful beings and all of that life experience, I was able to kind of unfold as a person and, and grow as a person and discover my power. Like I, I'm, I just like, was like, oh my gosh, I, I actually can create the life I desire and I can actually go back and look at my life and use everything that I've learned and give it to women. Like, how about I like, start speaking. And what if I became a coach? And so I became a certified coach and my passion to help women discover their power um, came from my own struggles and my own resistance and my own self-discovery. And, and so that kind of led me to becoming a coach and, and kind of crafting a message and going out and being a motivational keynote speaker and, and really just sharing my life experiences and the tools that I've picked up along the way um, with other women and to say, hey, girl, if I can do it, <laughs> you can do it too. And and not just inspiring them, but here's some tools. Here's some tools on how to tap into your own unique power because we all are. We all are powerful. So that's kind of in a nutshell my what led me to do what I'm doing now, it took a lot of courage because I had been doing life with other people. I became a mom really early. I got married at 24. We started our organization when I was 27. So I had been kind of partnering with people in life and all of a sudden it was just me betting on myself in starting my own business. And so it's been an interesting journey. I'm really excited about what's happened in my life in the last couple years kind of unfolded for me and that um, that has kind of pointed me in this direction now to really empower women um, to live their fullest life, the life that they desire and what I believe is the life that they deserve. And how long has it been now since you've been doing the work on your own? Yeah, it's been, so we transitioned out of um, lead role within our organization, our nonprofit four years ago. I took two of those years and actually worked for um, one of the largest Verizon wireless retailers in the nation. I was their director of culture for a couple years. So really, it's just been two years that I've been like, okay, Katara, you got to roll the dice, bet on yourself. You can actually do what you love and you can make money, and you can help people, and it all can work together. And so I left I left the corporate world two years ago, and yeah, I'm just speaking, coaching, writing. Yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. It's been, it's been scary, though. It's been scary because um, you, know, you don't know what's on the other side. 
right? It's like, what's on the other side of this? I, I think I know. I hope I know. What's really on the other side of this? And I just had to, it was almost like I just had to really dig deep and, and really listen intuitively to kind of what my heart was telling me to do. And honestly, like while the job that I took as the director of culture was fun and was so good, it was good work, it wasn't what I was really passionate about. And so I would find myself feeling like kind of down midway through the day. I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, Katara, you're not really tapping into what you're meant to do. And this is what you're meant to do in this season of your life. It was almost like my dream and my passion wouldn't leave me alone. You know, it's like it just kept pecking on my shoulder, like, hey, girl, hey, girl, you're supposed to be doing this over here, not this. And so, yeah, so it's been a couple years and I'm slowly building my clients and so slowly getting opportunities to speak, but it's been good. It's been good and beautiful, wonderful and empowering to kind of look back on like, wow, girl, you're doing it, you know, kind of patting myself on my own back and saying, yeah, you're really doing it. And, and you're really making a difference in other people's lives. Yeah. And the, in the intro, I called you a powerhouse for that reason. Yeah. Your, your story is such a powerful one because you've used all of the experience that you've had throughout your life to now create a ba- a business to empower others. You know, you you say your mission is creating places, spaces, and community for women to cultivate their unique power, and you're such a shining example of that over and over. There's such a genuine genuineness about your story. Thank you. It's it's been real. <laughs> it's it's been real. And something that I just have been really intentional about is to revisit those times in my life. So I take time every day to kind of carve out for just me. Um, I kind of close, turn off my phone, close the door and really spend some time meditating and just kind of being. And I've really created a practice where I kind of revisit those seasons of my life. And I want to keep it at the forefront of my mind because I don't want to ever forget, like, this is the evolution of Katara. This is what got you here. And, and so I spend a lot of, I spend time kind of thinking about that, you know, because I want, I want that passion. It's almost like throwing a log on the fire of my passion. It's like remembering the journey is a powerful way to do that. So, yeah. Well, and that's, and that's really key. I'd I'd love for you to give, give our listeners a little more, a little more insight into like taking time to reflect. I I love how you said, you know, really reflecting on the evolution of Katara because we're all evolving, aren't we? I mean, that's, that's why we're here, right? To learn, to grow, to become better versions of ourselves. And yet like, like you, Katara, I see leaders every day that are just living by default. They're just reacting to what's in front of them. They're tuned out. They're disengaged. And yet within each and every one of us, like there's this longing for something more. There's this longing for a life of purpose and a life of passion. And, and you're living that. So tell us about like taking time out to reflect and really get clear on what your passion is. Like How, how have you done that throughout your life? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I tell women all the time is you have to get still. You have to take time and get still. 
And in our busy culture and our busy lives, you know, a lot of women wear a lot of hats. You know, they work, they're, some of us are moms, you know, we have lots of hats that we're wearing. And we're just always like, as soon as, soon as the alarm goes off, our mind starts going to the to-do list and how am I going to get everything done and what I need to do to organize this day. And my encouragement for women, my clients, when I go out to speak, is if you could just take 15, 20 minutes in the morning to get still just get still and practice mindfulness. Like give yourself the gift of being with you. I think that being a young mom, I can look back and there were moments where I kind of lost myself. I was just in mommy mode and and helping to support my husband and his dream and his vision. And, you know, I kind of lost myself. And, and the way that I am not trying not to lose myself today is really getting still, like practically carving out time to breathe in and to exhale and to just be with myself and to not focus on the to-do list, to just focus on me and like, Tara, what do you need today? Well, for some, for someone who is very driven by the world and for someone who's, who's, who's in the habit of waking up and immediately going to their phone and checking email and looking at social media, like that could feel really intimidating, right? Oh my gosh, I have to sit here and breathe for 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> so what are, what are some baby step suggestions or are there particular, I know there's all kinds of mindfulness apps. Do you have some favorites? What, what are some ways to dip your toe into that being still? I really encourage my clients like to build up to that. Like take five minutes, like set your timer on your phone, right? Like get your phone out, set your timer. We're not looking at emails. We're not answering texts. We're just have our timer there and just sitting for five minutes. It's hard. Like when I challenge my clients to do this, I revisit the next session. They're like, that was hard to do. But then I ask, why was it hard? Like, why was that hard for you to do? And and some of my clients' responses is, I realize that there are parts of me that I don't like, right? There are parts of me that I'm like, ooh, I don't, I don't like that about me. So, so then you know, it's like, well, let's lean into that, right? It's like meeting a, it's like meeting someone new for the first time, right? Like spending time with them, you get to know them. So if it's not fifteen or twenty minutes like I do now, start with five. And I don't have a specific app that I use. I just put on some meditative music or sometimes it's just silent. And I just sit and I try to just kind of focus on me. Yeah, just five minutes could could start and really be an empowering thing to kind of spend time with yourself and get to know who are you now in this season of your life. Like, I am somebody that is different than who I was. Even last year, even five months ago, things have happened that have shifted and kind of evolved in my life that have made me like, oh, this is this is who you are today. And so really I I think spending time with yourself is in in my opinion super key. Another thing that I really encourage people to to do, um, specifically women to do, is to get curious. Get curious about where you're at now. Get curious about your past, right? Like sometimes we just close the door and we don't ever revisit some of our 
journeys in our lives. Like get curious about like, why do I react that way? Or why am I so frustrated about this? Or why am I so passionate about this? Why do I get so fired up about this? Like getting curious and really staring your truth in the face. Like it's really powerful when I'm able to, because because for years I would tell my story and I would say, I was put up for adoption. I was put up for adoption. I was put up for adoption. The truth is my mom abandoned me at the hospital. That's the truth. And so I had to be able to stare that truth in the face and get curious about my story. Well, and it is, it is so, I mean, let's just take a minute and celebrate how you talk about that. I mean, that is like literally within two minutes of this podcast recording, like I had big tears in my eyes and it was, well, but here, but here's the thing, you know, the way in which you talked about that, it was reality. There's a, there's a saying, I say it a lot, but it's such a good one. When you argue with reality, you will lose 100% of the time. So that's the staring your truth in the face is just acknowledging like this is, but then the, the empowerment that comes from that, right? That's, that's how you talked about your story that yes, I was and. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's so refreshing. Good golly. That's refreshing. Oh, good. Well, it's staring your truth in the face doesn't mean like, oh God, I got to sit in this like sadness. It's like, no, I get to say what is. And now as an adult woman, I get to reclaim my story and I get to rewrite it. There's another chapter. This thing isn't over. I'm not an abandoned person, right? Like I'm not an abandoned 47 year old, right? Like I have friends, I have family, I have loved ones. Like that's not the end of the story. We get to reclaim those parts of our lives and we get to rewrite them. That's what I love about empowering women to do is that you don't have to be stuck in that old story that you get to tell a new one. Because the old story holds you back. Like there, there are listeners right now who are reflecting on a past hurt or, I mean, it, we've all been abandoned in air quotes in some way in our lives, right? By a boss, by you know, a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, a f- friend, and we hold on to that. So the thing I hear you saying, like you're, you're not curious with judgment. You're curious with, with an opportunity to reclaim. I mean, there's a difference, isn't there? Cause I, a lot of times we judge and we look at the past with, with a lot of judgment. It's taking your power back and saying that happened to me, but that doesn't have to own me. That happened to me, but that doesn't have to dictate how I show up today. And rewriting my story, reclaiming and rewriting my story is taking ownership of my life and taking my power back. I had to take my power back from what happened to me along the way in my life, even the resistance that I received as a female, like weaving through life. Like I had to take my power back and say, actually, I'm going to rewrite this. And that's where the power comes. That's where we square our shoulders. I will never forget. I heard this quote by um, actually my coach shared with me. Um, It's by Marianne Williamson. And she, and I'll just kind of go through it. I won't read the whole thing, but she says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. 
Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. She goes on to say, your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. And then she says, and as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. When I heard that quote, it rocked me to my core. I thought, oh my gosh, I've created a pattern in my life of shrinking. I've, I've, because of life circumstances, because of things that have happened, I have practiced and got really good at shrinking and it wasn't serving me and it wasn't serving the world. And when I decided to kind of square my shoulders and to embrace my light and say yes to my light and to let it start shining, things started taking off for me and it came with work. But that's what I choose to do is to let my light shine because then I give other women, other people permission to do the same. Well, it is shining bright, my friend. I mean, just the the influence you have. I mean, that's well, and and that everyone has the same opportunity, right? It's we all have a story. We all have experiences that have shaped and defined us. And it's through those challenges that we best serve others, that, that we're able to empower and help because then others can learn, learn from our story and our example. The other thing that I, that I see that you, you talked about the playing small. Yeah. And I love, I love Marianne Williamson and that quote. Talk a little bit about, about blame. You know, what, what we have not heard is the mother who abandoned you, you know, you, you could very easily create a story around her and blame her. And, and yet that doesn't show up in how you talk about it at all. I have a very good friend who had a lot of challenges with his father growing up and has held on to so much of that hurt. And I see how it holds him back in all of his relationships, you know, and, and he, in talking to him about that, like it's always his dad's fault. You know, his dad did, his dad did. And how, how do we let go of those, of those hurts when people have wronged us? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's part of like taking your power back because that was hurtful, right? My being abandoned and, you know, that led to lots of me feeling like I'm not enough and unworthy of love and all the unpacking that I've had to do. And I don't know why I was able to do this. I mean, I've gotten therapy. I've been, I've had coaches, but I've been able to kind of zoom out and trust, trust the universe, trust source, trust God, whatever (laughs) the higher power, whatever you call that. I call it source, but to zoom out and to trust that my life has played out how it was supposed to. And If I'm going to take my power back, I have to look at things from other perspectives. And so I had to kind of zoom out and then zoom back into my mom's life and to imagine what was her life like. She was, you know, a white woman in 1972, pregnant by a black man, 
1968, it was still illegal to marry outside your race. Like I can imagine the pressure she may have been getting to not raise me just from culture, from, from society. And so zooming out, but then zooming into her perspective and really having empathy toward her and her life and where she was. And, and then also like, you know, zooming out and zooming into my imagining like what was going on with my dad or really having empathy from their perspective and saying, there's a reason why they made the choices that they did. And while that impacted me in a negative way, it doesn't have to keep impacting me in a negative way that I can do something with this. I can heal and I can reclaim my story and I can rewrite my story, but you really have to kind of zoom out and trust that, you know, life's not perfect for any of us. And I can't put blame that my life is like this because of you. Well, sure. There's parts of my life that's like that because of you, but I get to take control of that. What am I going to do with that now? So I don't pass that on to other people, pass on that bitterness, pass on that unforgiveness. Like, I don't want my life to be poisoned, right? So I have to really like look look at things from other people's perspectives and really you got to let go at some point. You really do. You've got to and I know it sounds cliché but there you do have to forgive and you do have to let go if you're really going to own your life and say, this is not going to dictate my future. This is not going to dictate me and how I live out my life. Yes. And that's why you say it starts with taking your power back because then you, that gives you energy, doesn't it? Absolutely. Because then you're not, because, because when you're blaming, you're constantly, it's like this tape recorder that's playing in your head over and over and over. That's super negative. And that doesn't produce positive things in your life. You've got to change the tape. You've got to change the tape. And and though those things were negative and maybe impacted you, they also made you who you are. And what's good about that? What's good about that? Well, so I hear a lot of I hear a lot of grace then in this, right? Yeah. So like you talked about just being curious without judgment. So. Yeah, it's just a lot of grace for your experiences you've had. It's making me it's making me emotional. This is, this is pure gold. I feel it. I mean, I can feel what you're saying on such a deep level. And it's so important. It's, you know, we just we hold ourselves back. We get hooked up by just stupid shit that isn't important and doesn't matter. Exactly. And we have to give ourselves grace. You know, I have two girls. I was a mom at 20 years old. And then I had my second at 24. Like I was still growing up. I was still discovering who I was. So I've had to give myself grace because I've passed on some stuff that's really beautiful to my girls. They're amazing, amazing people. But I've also passed on some BS. (laughs) And I've had to give myself grace. I've had to apologize to them like, sis, I know that, you know, there's some dysfunction there. I'm sorry. Call the therapist. Send me the bill. I know you're going to need it because I had to have it. So, you know, but you have to, <laughs> that's what I tell them. I'm like, just send me the bill. I know. I know. I know I've messed up a little bit. Maybe not well, a lot, but, that's, but a little bit. But that's a part of their experience, right? And part of yeah. their evolution. That's what I always tell my daughter. It's like, I'm going to be so good for your growth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm I'm helping you be better. 
So you got to give yourself grace. You got to give other people grace. You got to give yourself grace. I believe that's like key and really standing in your power, taking it back, reclaiming your story and rewriting. Because see, the fact is I, I was abandoned. That is a fact, but that's not true. Well, you have defined that. You have you have chosen how to define what that means for you. Every word has an interpretation. What what are you making of it? You make of your life what you want based on how you talk about it, right? That's that's the re- reclaiming and rewriting. It's what you say about it. It's really ownership and power, and that's what I'm passionate about with women is is you are a powerful being. Like step into that power, step into your light, stop shrinking. We don't need any more. We need, we need everybody stepping into their light, squaring their shoulders and owning their power. Well, and, and it is such a process, isn't it? I just on, just on uh, my drive this morning, I was, I was reflecting on, I have felt quite a bit of doubt over the last couple of days. And I've really just been trying to notice that doubt. And I was thinking about last week, I had a couple of like really powerful moments and I was just reflecting on like, you know, there are going to be days when I'm going to feel so powerful and there are going to be days when I feel doubtful and it's all okay. Right behind that doubt, because there's something in that doubt that's helping me grow and right behind it, I know there are powerful moments. So how do you, in in those moments of doubt, insecurity, the, you know, darkness emerging, like how, how do you respond to those moments? Yeah. I mean, I think that those moments are inevitable because life, uh, you know, it throws us curveballs. Things happen that we don't expect. I think that the way I handle that is just, I have like really worked on, on being grounded in my power. And though I don't feel powerful in that moment, though I'm doubting or my limiting beliefs are coming up or fear is coming up in me, that doesn't mean that I'm not powerful. And that doesn't mean that I don't have what it takes. And so leaning in, like you said, leaning into that doubt, getting curious about that doubt, partnering with fear, just because I'm afraid doesn't mean I shouldn't move forward in this thing, right? This big thing or this change, or I'm pivoting in my career. It doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. Maybe I just need to partner with fear because I'm stepping into something new and that's awesome. And so really staying grounded and rooted in the truth that I'm powerful in spite of doubt in spite of when fear shows up, in spite of when those insecurities pop up, because they, it's not like you, you know, rise above it and you just stay above it and live a life that you're soaring and I'm powerful. And like, that's, that's not real. Right. But understanding that underneath all of this, I've done some work and I've tapped into my power and it's still there. Right. It's still there. And I just kind of have to move through the doubt, move through with fear. It doesn't necessarily like go away because I recite a mantra. It's like, I got to work through that. It's like a, a kneading of bread. You know, you just got to get in there and like work it out, like get curious about it. Like what's happening right now? Why am I feeling so doubtful? And also plugging into other people. Like I have a great group of women that, man, if I'm feeling all the things, limiting beliefs, doubt, you know, I'm like in a funk. I know I have some key women in my life that I can call and they are going to remind me of who I am. They know me. 
they, they are going to be like, Hey girl, well, I know you're, you're hearing this and you're seeing this, but let me remind you who you are. You are this, you are that, you are powerful. You've got this, right? And so having kind of your posse, you know, I call them my road dogs. Like having those people that I can pick up the phone and say, I am struggling today. Like I am really feeling like this. And then what's powerful about that network is then they can pour into you and remind you of the work you've done, remind you of who you are, remind you of where you're headed and pour into you in those moments. Um, but they're inevitable, right? They're going to have, it's going to happen. Those moments are going to come. Well, um, what, what a great point to conclude on here. Just that like you, you're not in this alone that we, we actually, we are all in this together. And so having a safe place to fall that has been over the last few years, a really important part of my growth. You know, I've, I've always been really confident and put a lot of pressure in, on myself to be all things and to always have it together. And I don't like, and I'm never going to. And so having those really those safe places where I can be vulnerable and raw and just admit that I really have no idea what I'm doing. Exactly. Or I'm really scared, you know, having those people that you can lean into and really be honest and you don't have to put the face on for, you know, it's like, no, sis, this is what I'm going through. I need, I need some encouragement right now. You got to have those people because those seasons are going to come. Um, but we've moved through them. You know, we move through them, we navigate them and we learn from them and we continue to unfold into the new season and the next thing that's happening in our lives, which is RuPaul. That's the evolution of Katara that you talked about earlier. I'm I'm going to say right now, we're having a part two, my friend. This is too good. And yeah. you've gotten my heart racing. And you know, you know it's a good conversation when you've been moved to tears multiple times. <laughs> So let's, let's do this again, you know, but for the purposes of today, like what I'm, what I'm walking away with is reclaiming and rewriting my story. I mean, I feel like that's the theme over and over. You have given us a lot of practical ways in which to do that. My key takeaways are just the, just the reminder of like owning my power, taking it back. And to do that, I got to zoom out. I got to reflect. I've got to trust. I have to be still and give myself space, like make, you said earlier, making space for me. That's just, that's a, that's, I, I can feel that making space for me. And the partnering with fear. Oh, that's so good. Like partner, use it, feel it. And as you're grounded in your power and you're doing those things, that's going to be easier. So Katara, if our guests want to, or our listeners want to connect with you, what is the best way to do that? Yeah, they can just find me on LinkedIn. I'm Katara McCarty on LinkedIn. All right. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. I'm already looking forward to part two. Thank you for having me. What an honor. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.